This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. So hello and welcome back to Rock and Roll, where among a trifecta of Celts, I am the only one bitterly disappointed. But what about the others? So as first, as always, I've just met her and this is crazy, but Island Scrum Off might just be Craig Casey. Patricia Vieira, hello. That's your best one yet. I really Thank like you. That. I was quite proud of that. I wrote down walking over from uh, from training on the way here. I was quite proud of that one myself. That's but if brilliant. you like that one. This guy really, 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 really likes Hugh, Hugh Jones. Do you like him too? Alan McDonald is here. How are you doing, Alan? I'm good, thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on. Do you like that one as well? Well, that was superb. I'm going to go to a fucking concert every week so that we have good intros. Yeah, just just (laughs) send me a set list and we'll see what we can do. We'll go for it. Um, I... That, is that as much Carly Rae Are we going to dive into Carly Rae Jepsen or are we moving on to rugby? Oh, I'm, do, do you want a rugby podcast or a Carly Rae Jepsen podcast? Because I can do one, but I feel like I can't do both. I, well, I don't see why I should have to choose. I, I, You did give me quite a lot of shit last week for misspelling her name. You twice. did misspell her name. I misspelled her name twice in one effort. Yeah, <laughs> I know you did. Um, oh, she was incredible. I, like, I wish I was going every day instead of doing this, to be honest. I like doing this, but... It's no Carly Rae Jepsen concert. Did you see? Did you find out what Carly Rae Jepsen thinks about four uh, Smith and Farrell at ten and twelve? And that's <laughs> key thing. Do you know what? She's a big, big, big fan of Blair King Horn at ten. That's what. That's what they did find out. <laughs> that's Someone a has to be. That's a lie. No one's a big fan of Blair King Horn. Not even Blair King Horn is a fan of Blair King Horn. <laughs> anyway. Shall we move on to some rugby and we'll move on to some news? Right, I need to decide as well whether I'm going to actually put the jingle in because I keep going, this is the news, and then I'm not putting the jingle in. So (laughs) this is the news. So not a lot, nothing bad for a change. Well, depending on your, your perspective. So Simon Middleton is leaving the Red Roses is perhaps the biggest news so far this mm-hmm. week. 
that's a big loss for for England and for the women's game, isn't it? Yeah, it feels like maybe the writing was on the wall a little bit after they didn't win that World Cup final, as much as he's a great coach and he's done great things for that team and by all accounts, you know, a good man and all that kind of thing. I think when they didn't win that final, it might have been a matter of time. But um, yeah, it'll be very interesting to see where they go in terms of finding a replacement. I think that's sort of where everyone's attention turned straight away was, you know, we all know Simon Middleton and what he's done with this team, but who are they going to get next and where are they going to go afterwards? Yeah, he's going to leave quite a legacy there. It's quite a mm-hmm. quite a big position to fill. Who we, who anyone we can think of? I, I obviously, as much as I like England's women as we've been through, far more than I like England's men, can I throw Wayne Pivak into the mix for the lols? <laughs> well, I think that's Jake. harsh. Jake White. <laughs> Jake White. Obviously, it's Jake White. I don't think of him. Um, I mean, Lewis Deacon is was his sort of second in command for the last while. So you think maybe um, they might promote him. They might look to to bring a woman in. Um, it might be time that one of the biggest coaching jobs in rugby is given to a woman. Or they might do something similar to what the Black Ferns did and sort of parachute in a, a very successful men's coach. We really don't know. Um, and obviously he has the Six Nations now, so it'll be it'll be interesting to see how they go, I guess, knowing that sometimes when a team knows that the coach is going, they sort of underperform because they're like, well, there's no point in performing for this coach. I don't think the Red Roses will do that. I actually bought my tickets to watch them play Ireland today, so I'm super excited about that. But um, yeah, I think it's it's yet another, this rugby team is up in the air at the minute with a coach leaving. It's great fun. I'm I'm loving the little merry-go-round we got with coaches. So, which then means, do we do we stick with England coaches or with women's rugby? I'll let you decide. Where do we go next? Oh, I choose women's rugby every time. You choose women's rugby. It's all. I, I mean, I choose women's rugby every time. Should absolutely be the motto that we stand by on this podcast forever. Um, so, Wasps women currently crowdfunding because of obviously all the issues that Wasps have had. Um, and it's going pretty fucking well. They wanted a, a target of five grand. They're already on seven and a half. It's a good cause. Are we, is it something we're getting behind? Are we going to help them out? What are we going to do? Yeah, I think, I mean, it's frustrating that we're still in a position where women's teams have to do this, obviously. But as much as any of us can, I think we should get behind stuff like this, for sure. I suppose it's a wee bit of a special case, isn't it? What with uh, mm. what with wasps having got, become insolvent, so it's just making sure that they can compete and hopefully get some proper backing after this season. And this is just the emergency. We need to face the uh, DMP Sharks on on Sunday fund, I think, isn't it? So that that's to get this game done and out of the way and keep them ticking over, as you said, until they can find something more long term. So fingers crossed because we've we've lost enough teams this year and women's rugby is definitely on the on the up. So to lose a big team like this would be devastating for the game. So yeah, if we can give, do give. If not, you know, talk to someone who can share it on your Facebook, share it on your Twitter. Let's try and give a bit of support to the team who really, really deserves it. Um, and then we'll move on then to England coaches because Richard Cockrell was in, now Richard Cockrell's back out. 
he's barely had time to dent a groove in the an arse groove into the chair at Twickenham or wherever it might be. Wigglesworth Walters and Ian Peel, who I'm informed isn't the guy from EastEnders, mm-hmm. all to come into the coaching staff. It's 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 very Leicester heavy, but good moves. I think Ben Youngs is now Leicester head coach. <laughs> I think that's how yeah. that works now. Tiger's just going to keep promoting up from within. Just, just yeah, eight I nines. Alan Walters especially is, I mean, that's a huge coup, I think, for, for any team. I think when he left Munster, he was the one the most that we were like, yeah, but can we have him back? You know, you can keep Razzie, like you can even take Felix, but can we have Alan Walters back? Um, I mean... In terms of Wigglesworth, like he's been a coach for like 28 minutes and now he's an England coach. So I don't really know. We don't really know anything about Richard Wigglesworth as a coach. He was a player like three weeks ago. So I guess we'll see. It's I guess Borthwick is building his team with guys he knows and trusts. And you can't really blame him for that when it's his first big job as well. It's been that short a time that I think if he's changed his name on Facebook to include his new job role, he might not be able to change it again yet. But <laughs> <laughs> a week more time. Um, yeah, England, despite Saturday, which we'll come to, looking uncomfortably competent off the field at the moment. Well, they they seem yeah. like very sensible choices. I don't like it. I think um, just comparatively to a team that was helmed by Eddie Jones, it's going to look sensible. <laughs> so I think I think there might be a bit of a you know grading on a bit of a curve there. I'm just very glad we had them first up in retrospect because actually I think <laughs> once things gel, they'll be a lot better than they were on Saturday. Yeah, as a Welshman, I'm fucking delighted about that. Um, we'll still lose to you, don't worry. <laughs> as as we know, Rob Owley released Rugby Chaos onto the world, and now England seem to be trying to put that back in the bottle, and I'm I'm not a fan. I, I'm all about the rugby chaos. We've talked about this. this. That's where rugby needs to go. The more chaotic, the better. I mean, I've, I've, I've we've got a Scotsman on. Like, everything they do is based around Finn Russell. They need the chaos. I love the chaos, but this is what we need to embrace, I think. Classic England, isn't it? Trying to fucking suppress any identity they can find. Whether it's <laughs> Celtic, Celtic languages or rugby chaos. Like, oh. they're, they don't <laughs> want it. <laughs> Someone they thought it was rugby independence, and I went, having that shit. Not glad on the end. It's not happening. So, unless there's anything else, is that it for the news? Yeah, I think we're news light this week. I mean, Don't think of anything. considering two weeks ago, or wherever it was, we sat here for what felt like about three days. I think I had like time off work to talk through all the news that was happening. And we're done. That's it. Over. Done. We'll move on to this weekend's games or last weekend's games. Which way are we looking at that? Which weekend's games are we talking about? I guess it's last weekend's games. Yeah, the ones what just happened. Because this weekend's games are like Ireland, France and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I confused myself then. Um, So we'll go in the same order that we went in when we did the preview to do our review. So we'll start off with Italy-France, which was the last game. Because we can't do anything simple. Um... I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. 
Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Question, um, is Capuato the greatest rugby player ever? Yes. Yeah, I I love this game. I managed to... uh, well, we checked into our hotel about 20 minutes into this game. I legged it up to turn on that telly to be like, right, let's get this Italy-France match on. So we watched it in the hotel room before we went to see Kylie Ray Jefferson. And what a game, first of all. Like, mm. it, just what a game. But it was kind of exactly what we said last week about Italy in terms of closing in those results mm. and not letting games be whitewashed. And I mean, this was far from that. Like that game was there for them. And I think had they had Paolo Garbisi or had they had like really any experienced players because their squad is just so young, Italy win that game. And that's huge to be saying first up in a Six Nations that we're looking at Italy were, you know, a dropped ball away from beating France. That's massive for the tournament. And not just France, but perhaps like the best French team we've seen in a long time. Yeah, France France are the best team in the world. Like you can funny around with world rankings in Ireland and everything else. France are the best team in the world right now. And Italy, I think if this game is in maybe two years time with the exact same players and circumstances, Italy win just for like the experience. Um, They're so inexperienced. Like, that's really what got France over the line. And it's so promising for rugby in general, especially for, for Italy and for the Six Nations, to see this, like, outrageously young group get so close to a team like this France team. And it's not like France threw out, like, a second team. That's Dupont, Entomac, Penno, Olivant. Like, that's that's the whole shebang. It's the big it France team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was a brilliant game. And it just... Oh, like I love this France. Like you know how much I love this France team, but I wanted Italy to win that game so fucking badly by the end. I was like, please, please just let them win. But like it capped off a really, really great opening weekend of the tournament. And I'm so excited to see Italy keep going and build on it and, and go up. I think as a Scott, I just I just felt that Italy weren't gonna win much, as much as I wanted them to just because we've been through this fairly recently and it's just the the knowledge and belief that you can do it. You kind of have to get close and have these heartbreaking results to realise that actually you can do it. And yeah, um, Italy progressing like this can only be good for the tournament and for rugby in general. It's fantastic. Yeah, it's it's easy to forget how far behind they actually are and they've closed that gap really really significantly over the last few years and and we've been saying for ages and ages and ages that the gap wasn't as big as the results suggested and now the results are starting to match that more and it's it's really really lovely to see I'm really really it's it's easy to be patronizing and be like oh you're happy for Italy like this is a game that they lost and it it's a winnable game that they lost but it's it is important to have these games like you say to for them to see, you know, we were plays away from beating France. That's a huge deal. 
and maybe we can bring that to England. We can, you know, look to beat Wales or Scotland and we can look to grab Ireland. Like, you know, they, they can see that there's there's things there for them that if that even two years ago they wouldn't have even thought possible. Like it wouldn't have been they wouldn't have been close to France two years no. ago. And and it's learning to sort of scale up players who are making a difference at URC level, like Benetton are, are going well in the URC and it's learning to take those Benetton players who break games for Benetton and they're getting the exposure and the experience to get to a stage where they can do that for Italy and it's going to make a huge difference for them. The Remember who, well, maybe it was last year, was it maybe that we, they did the old, right, we're going to drop like most of our experienced players mm-hmm. and we're going to pick players who haven't learned to lose yet. And we were all like, this is madness. Like Some of the players that they'd cast in a side here, this is such a big gamble and it's really paid off. The only trouble is they've still got that Italian curse of never having two quality halfbacks available at the <laughs> same time. Like, Tommy Allen looked very good to me on Saturday, but Varney just... Oh, was he was a, shocking. He was, was shocking. Yeah, and you, all the talent is here with Varney, but that it just was not his game on Sunday. He was, oh, I felt really, to the point I felt sorry for him. And then I felt sorry for Italy because just he just couldn't get anything right on Yeah, Sunday. it was, like, it was a shame. I think it's, it was like above all, it was just a great game. I'm just having so much fun watching it. Like. Yeah. But France are in Italy's World Cup pool. And, you know, there's that sort of taking that belief of, oh, like we can really have a crack off these big teams now. It, they've, I know that. It's it's kind of say Italy lost to Georgia last year, and I mean like so did Wales. So that it's like Georgia had a good year last year, as did Italy. They obviously beat Wales and Australia, and it's like we've gotten to a point now where, as ridiculous as it was before, you can't really talk about Italy in the sort of Georgia and lower tier group anymore. It's very much the Six Nations and the Rugby Championship, like Italy have earned their place to be spoken about with those teams now. And they're not being discredited the way they were before to be sort of played down. And it's 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 great to see above everything else. And it was a wonderful game. And I'm I'm like I'm almost more excited to watch Italy go through this tournament now than I am Ireland. <laughs> yeah, I've watched Ireland. Um <laughs> But exactly, and I, I don't know, you've got no boots left up or into Wales already. Like that, that's two, two little kick ins you've given us now about losing to Italy and losing to Georgia. But like they did. What what do you actually want me to say? You just have to bring it up every week. That's all I'm saying. I was talking no, about Italy. I was talking about Italy. They beat Wales. Deal with it. But you are right that of them, like sort of closing the gap. And it, I, it does speak volumes for, for Georgia as well that they beat Wales and they beat Italy, that how much they are close. Like the big gap doesn't come between Italy and Georgia, it comes between Georgia and everyone else in the rugby championship, mm-hmm. which is great mm-hmm. to see. And like realistically, the conversation if it's gonna to have to change is not do Italy drop down, is do we bring Georgia up as well? But the downside of that is obviously they're gonna play the white stripes every week for Seven Nation Army because there'll be fucking mm-hmm. seven teams in it. And real rugby producers are the most predictable people on the fucking planet. So we know that that's exactly what happened. Um, I think more importantly than anything else that happened in this game, how fucking nice were those Italy jerseys? They are very nice. They Absolutely are very, stunning. Very nice. Did you do I, great? 
I received a lot of messages saying exactly that. This game's great, but not as good as those shirts. Um, I am a, a aficionado of shirts now. I'm, uh, I'm giving myself the title. Um, but no, as good as a, a player as he is, wasted a, a couple as well that he were easily scorable tries. It was a mad game in the sense of we had some tries, well, we had the knock-on for a try, then we had the knock-on over the line, which went to the TMO and no try. Then we had the try that no one thought was a try until they pulled it back and went, oh, shit, this might be this might be a try, actually. it, it, it This is what rugby should be. I'm loving it. it. It's really entertaining. Remember when rugby was boring? It wasn't that long ago. Like, it, was it? Well, the fucking COVID cup was the, the, yeah. the worst point. At the end, I of knew the you were going to bring bring up the fucking COVID cup. I didn't know. So I'm glad you said it. It was the worst tournament that ever existed, and obviously, all of rugby got together after that and said, "Can we make sure that rugby is never like this again?" And it's the been... reason that tournament was so bad is because we were promised Fiji, and then Fiji weren't able to be in it. That's what made it so <laughs> terrible, really. Um, twenty-eight nil walkover right. for Fiji in every game. <laughs> it's just depressing um but yeah all in all great game um and we all got our predictions right sadly yes. i kind of yes. wanted to be wrong Italy i, I did as well my, Italy ruined my fantasy super brew team because i was I, I picked loads of french players and i was like oh this would be great particularly after putting Duhan in the back three and then i was like no no but i was delighted to be wrong well, see, I, I balanced out with the, the official one by putting Capuato in there as well. Because I thought, oh, if anyone's going to score him a try. So I, I I played smart. But um, I'm loving fantasy rugby as well at the minute. Rugby's great. Rugby's great again. Um, <laughs> speaking of rugby being great, Alan, this is your time to, to really shine, radiate, enjoy yourself. Because Saturday we had England, Scotland. Yeah, I didn't enjoy game. myself. Oh, sorry. I was going to say you've already asked one of the one of the big questions, but I'll move on to that one. Tell me about your day. I, well, I didn't enjoy myself during the game. I think it would be more fun to watch that as a neutral. Um, if it wasn't for the Cromarty Brewing Company, my blood pressure would have been through the roof. <laughs> when Duhan made his break for that try, someone someone in my house was screaming, "Go on, you big beautiful man!" And it sounded an <laughs> awful lot like me, actually. <laughs> Irish commentary when he made that break Irish commentary thought it was short hog and they kept saying like oh hog is through that hog and and then as soon as it became apparent that like no there's no way that's hog it's actually way too good they changed and they were like oh no sorry it's Duhan Vandermeer and then like obviously he scored at the end but it was, they, they thought it was hog up to a point and then they went no that's not right and then they checked the number on the jersey yeah that's not yeah. hog he's still holding on to the ball I can't <laughs> He's grounded it over the try line now. <laughs> is that oh, why he's... he's waving his hair like that? I was going to say, is that why he's grown his hair out? Is he trying to be more Duhan? We should all try to be more Duhan, to be fair. Oh, this is true. Well, oh, that's, that's be more Duhan. I <laughs> get a note for myself there. Be more Duhan. I thought Short Hog's hair looked really nice on Saturday. To be I... fair, it has. Yeah. It's, it's, the man bun wasn't, I know he's been critical of people being critical of it, but it's a man bun. So it, the fact that it's gone is a good thing. Well, maybe he sacked his stylist off and he's he's got someone new in, but 
it's definitely looking much more luxurious than it did before. Um, so question number one, then, what's the better try? Do our number one or do our number two? Uh, for me, do have number two because it's the whole team coast to coast. Um, that beautiful tip on pass from Richie Gray. So I love to see the forward with good hands. Um, and the fact that you had managed to score despite Matt Fagerson giving the pass way too early. <laughs> it's well, there's only three of them, but we're fine. It's two hand. <laughs> yeah. It's a hell of a reach as well. Fair play, like it's a great finish for I, I'm I'm all for the individual try just because I don't think we get to see as much of them. Like we get good team tries a lot. Well yeah, not a lot. That's true. Not a lot, but we, we see them more. What I like about one. the first one is that Kyle Stain gets an assist on the statistics. <laughs> it's like he passed him that ball sort of on their own 10 meter line and Duhan did the rest, but he gets the assist, which I think is really funny. Right. He'll be like, pass me though, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I think from an England point of view, um, I don't know, like. They obviously have a new coach and stuff. They look unsure as to what they're they're trying to do because it wasn't necessarily that it was going badly. They looked like they looked they looked unsure. And I think a lot of people are pointing at Smith and Farrell as the sort of, you know, one of them has to go kind of thing. I don't think so. I I think that they were I think they played really well together. I think they fit well together. I think obviously if George Ford was fit, we might be having a different conversation. But I think Smith and Farrell just need a bit of time. And I don't see any reason to suggest that it won't get better with that time because it has gotten better since they started playing together. Well, that's question number two. Does does Farrell and Smith work? I no, think I'm, so. I think so too. I think generally you want sort of one playmaker. Once, it's like your comedy double actor. You want one comedian and one straight man. And that's essentially what they've got. One one clown and one guy to do do the straight stuff. And that that's... I think you have to think about it like Owen Farrell needs to be on the pitch, not because he's England captain, although like also because he's England captain, but because he's just an incredible rugby player and he's the heartbeat of that team and he is everything that England do well goes to Owen Farrell. And if you want him a 10, you're gonna need a big a big massive 12, and England don't have one. So Owen Farrell is your 12. And I think that Marcus Smith is playing better every week. And the reason that people are saying that he isn't is because he's not doing as much of the sort of flashy bullshit Marcus Smith stuff that wasn't working anyway. Like, I think he's a much better 10 than he was before. Mm-hmm. Um, And I think he's getting better all the time. And, and I include him playing with Farrell in that. So I th- I just think they need, I think every game they play together, they look better than they did the game before. So I think people calling for one of them to go, I don't really know what they're I don't really know what they're watching, to be honest, because England obviously have their their problems running through the team and sacking Eddie Jones didn't magically fix them all. But I don't think that Smith and Farrell is one of those problems. Not for me anyway. I wonder if they need more of a more of a bigger centre outside them than March and someone along the lines of an Ollie Lawrence or someone like that. You know, is, is it the blend that's on? They can't pick Ollie Lawrence because Clive Woodward would have to learn who he was. <laughs> well, that's true. And, you know, Clive Woodward struggles with new things. That's fair. <laughs> um, the only thing I will say is if they're going to stick with Farrell and Smith as well, maybe Farrell needs to take 
more of the controlling role. There was a couple of times on Saturday where he sort of, well, we'll give it to Marcus and see what he can do. And I think that works for Harlequins at sort of premiership level. But there was a couple of times on, on Saturday where you're like, like you're, you're not going to unpick locks yourself at this level. Yeah, I think one there was the on one... especially. Yeah, <laughs> the one where he got bundled into touch. I think, other than that, I don't think that he has trouble running a game. Um, but not I think when all. you have a player as good at doing that as Owen Farrell, why not utilise that? I I am really looking forward to George Ford being back in the mix because I don't know what they're going to do about it. Because obviously he had sort of weirdly fallen out of favour with Eddie Jones. But now you have Steve Borthwick, who is extremely used to him from Leicester. But then at the same time, Smith is playing very well. And it's not a case of, well, George gets the jersey now because he's fit. So I'd be I'd like I'd like to see what they do when they have the three of them available, how they work that. I don't I, I'm actually not sure what the, the timeline is on if they'll have George Ford in this tournament. But I think that I let them cook. Let Smith and Farrell cook. Like they're they're getting there. England are getting there, I think. Like you say, Alan, like Scotland had them first up. I think that England will be a much better team at the end of this tournament than they were mm-hmm. on on Saturday. Um, I think Ireland have them in round four or five or something near the end. So that'll be fun, I guess. But <laughs> I think I think it was really fun to see Scotland win. I don't know how you feel about it, Alan, but it was really interesting to see Scotland win sort of without it being a Finn Russell masterclass performance, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. I think so much has had to go through Finn over the years that so it's kind of like, oh, when if Finn's good. Um mm-hmm. and Finn wasn't bad. He wasn't great. He played well. He played well, but he yeah. didn't have a a Finn Russell extravaganza no. game. He just had a a like a sort of standard game. But he was, was like really, a six point five out of ten. Like he was grand. A Ross Ford game. Six out of ten. <laughs> um, I, I, but I think he... Sorry? No, go on, Alan. You first. Well, no, I think... so. Yeah, I think winning without Finn being... Having to be brilliant is great because there was always risk, there's always risk-reward when Finn is having to force it. And coming up to the end, being behind and having the confidence that we didn't have to go for the Hail Mary... We didn't have mm. to go for the the wonder pass and then be intercepted. That showed a real maturity that we've not necessarily seen in Scotland sides. When we last won in France, that was the that was the was that twenty twenty, and that that was maybe the the last time that we've seen Scotland look that mature, and it was great to see. I don't buy into this whole thing, despite me making the jokes occasionally because it's fun that sort of Finn Russell's uh, form is up and down and he's a liability off as often as he's... No, no, I don't think so either, but I think that Scotland, a lot of the time, wait to be like... But I'm going to say, I thought on Saturday he was quite poor. I didn't think he had a good game at all. There was a number of times watching it in a rugby club, just, you know, before people throw out those accusations. (laughs) (laughs) Where I thought he is having a bit of a stinker year and you kind of like I like Finn so I don't want Scotland like I don't want Scotland to lose anyway especially not to England but you know especially when Finn's having a bad game because you know he's going to instantly become the scapegoat well if Finn is mm-hmm. you know this he's had a bad game in Scotland and lost and so so I thought he, he had a particularly poor game by his standards so to see Scotland still come through and do it was 
superior. And I said, because you are being labelled as sort of a, well, it's a Finn Russell show, is it? But I thought you had a bit of a stinker, if I'm honest. But I do think that's... Yeah, it felt like like a different... It felt like a different sort of... Like, because Scotland beat England now, this is just sort of a thing that happens every year and we sort of expect it now. It's it's really great. It's one of my favourite things about rugby. But it felt like a different win for Scotland to do it without sort of I even like I'd say being behind towards the end as well and not everyone collectively looking at Finn Russell and saying okay what's going to happen now um you know waiting for him to do something they weren't doing that and that felt like a sort of almost a step up I guess for Scotland um compared to like tough wins that they've had to they've had to sort of find in the past mm-hmm. I guess the question is can they keep that going throughout a tournament because that has sometimes been a problem for them I guess sort of but who knows? Scotland Grand Slam incoming, maybe. We'll see. Well, please don't say that. Please don't say <laughs> that. Well, I, I think yeah. what Scotland did really well as well is because like the Finn Russell not performing was a lot that was down to England because they put so much pressure on him, especially Farrell come flying out. And they said, well, oh, that's right. We'll just adapt our game. And if Farrell's going to come flying out, then we know there's gaps in midfield. And I thought they adapted their game really well to go, well, if they're going to play this high pressure intense, we're going to put all the pressure on Finn Russell. Then that's fine because we've got to with Lodo, we've got to Jones, we've got Duan Van der Meer. That's fine. Mm-hmm. We we can play around. And I thought they they did that very well. Like we often talk about teams playing and adapting to referees, but also you've got to be able to adapt to exactly what your opposition are doing. Scotland did that fantastically well on Saturday. Yeah, I think Finn went for the late. Finn's a really physically courageous player because he he will often wait for the last minute for the players committed to hitting them before he ships it so that there's a gap. And I think he got the timing on that wrong a few times, what with, with kicks and, and offloads and turnovers as a result of it. But, you know, I think having two Pilotto outside him, I, I was dubious about him as a 12 at the start, but my goodness, the man's a triple threat. You know, we haven't, had, we, he's like an Alex Dunbar who can kick. Because, um, you know, Dunbar couldn't kick at all, but. He kept defenses honest because he couldn't. He could run straight, and therefore they didn't know if he was going to punch a hole or they were going to drift. And when he dropped off because of his knee injuries, it was dead easy to defend against Scotland because everyone knew it was just going to go. It was going to go wide, so it would just everyone would just drift. Whereas now they can't, and we saw with the first try, even when they try and rush up and do a piloto, he can slot lovely little grubbers through for Hugh Jones to dive on. It was. It was a. Joy. Um, England, despite losing, surely improvements there. I've got a Borthwick quote who said that when we looked at the team in the autumn, when I measured the team and got all the data for the team, we weren't good at anything. It was as Frank Star. <laughs> like I said about you sticking the boot in Wales, like Borthwick's really gone in two footed on Eddie Jones. <laughs> that is one hell of a quote. Are they better than not being good at anything? <laughs> I don't think that they looked particularly sort of different from Eddie Jones's last game insofar as Steve Borthwick is a coach who learned everything he knows about coaching from Eddie Jones, who's inherited a team from Eddie Jones, who was basically running Eddie Jones's plays and game plan for that entire game. So they're sort of a worse off Eddie Jones team, if anything. Um, But I think that I feel like they'll get better, but I think that's because I kind of, feel as though I have to think that because they're England. Um and maybe like maybe they won't. Maybe they'll just be shit now for the year. That'll be fun. 
I can't see Kevin Sinfeld having a defence that's that bad for the entire championship. Exactly, exactly. You just feel like it it, it has to, in a a similar way as I feel about Wales, which I suppose we'll get on to, you feel like it has to come as the tournament goes on. You obviously don't feel like that about Wales, but I I do, so deal with it. It'll come next week for Wales because you're going to beat us. I'm still triggered by the great card of capitulation of 2018. We we, have, we know that this is a thing that no matter how bad Wales are, generally we beat Scotland unless it's in Llanelli. Like that, so that's <laughs> Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Um, and thing that we often mention on the podcast as well, going back to the last game, Tommy Allen's ancestry and him being Scottish of ancestry. Um, are you ready for perhaps the most absurd one of those from Peter Jackson's? column this week where he picked out the five non-Irish players to watch so it was for one of the Irish papers, can't remember which one, and they said can you come up with a player to watch for each of the other five nations and he picked Jack Van Povliet for England and he said mm-hmm. the first shot of proving himself as the best of a young generation of English scrum halves goes to the great great grandson of a former Dutch farmer who settled in Norfolk more than a century ago <laughs> 21 before it gets the nod of a club mate Ben Youngs. <laughs> There's a guy who's learned a fact and then not seen any rugby. <laughs> he's he's more Dutch than Josh Vanderfleer, though. <laughs> because he's South African. Come on, let's maybe go. we should call maybe we should call Jack Van Portley the Dutch disciple from now on. <laughs> I I was reading the article and I was like, this is so ludicrous. I've never seen anything like this. It's one of my favourite things that's happened in rugby this week. And I've got a lot of favourite things that's happened in rugby this week. Um, Anything else we want to talk about from England, Scotland? Anything else stand out? Anyone? Just VP Nell looking like someone's dad that's turned up and been pressed gang to play tight head after dropping <laughs> his son off. And giving um, six minutes of greatness. Shall we move on then? I don't know as well, and as I'm going through this, I'm still trying to write up my my winners and wankers. So, Patricia, I know you were panicking before. So, Wales are coming up. So, if you're looking for a wanker for this week, there may be a lot of options. I'm just going <laughs> to throw that out there. Um, so, we will reluctantly move on to the first game of the weekend, the curtain razor. I mean, if it was a curtain razor for Wales, it was Wayne Pivak's curtains. <laughs> shockingly bad. Uh, my question is based on um, a BBC headline that caused some controversy this week, and I will say, a oh, fuck knows why anyone thought it was controversial on headline. Um, is Welsh rugby in turmoil? I think a more controversial headline would have been is is Welsh rugby out of like when's Welsh rugby not been in turmoil? <laughs> when did the turmoil end for them to go back into turmoil? 
I well, the first Gatlin rain, we we kind of we stopped turmoil for a bit. We kind of not so much yeah, uh, not so much Gatlin ended turmoil. Ended ended like four years ago. Yeah, but like Welsh rugby kind of not so much ended. We had like a ceasefire while while Gatlin was there, and then it came back with a vengeance. And I don't think he's the guy who's going to turn it around, if I'm completely honest, but there we go. Gone from Wayne Pivak to institutional systematic sexism to, well, where, where's the non-turmoil? Uh, excuse me, sexism and racism. Let's get Sorry. this right. <laughs> I, didn't mean, I didn't mean to do the WRU down there. Yeah, our, our, the WRU's prejudice, prejudice is a broad church, okay? <laughs> we've got racism, misogyny, we... they. Do not discriminate, ironically. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we're going to say yes, then, whilst rugby is in turmoil. I think it's, it's turmoil. a bit fucking melodramatic, though, isn't it? Well, I don't know, is it? Because like we've got, we've got four regions, none of whom are in the top half of the league that they play in. We don't know what playing budgets are next year. The national men's team couldn't win a game for fucking toffee like until next week until next week but scotland that that's the blip that always happens like that's the exception that proves the rule like how much and then that's without going into the sexism racism any other ism you can find like it, i don't think it is dramatic i think Welsh rugby it just is turmoil at the moment yeah, but I don't think that that has anything to do with losing this game against Ireland on Saturday afternoon. I, it I felt think like, is my point. It felt like turmoil to me, especially. I really don't think it back. was. I really don't think it was as bad as a lot of people are making out from a Wales point of view. I the first forty, I think, absolutely were. I think it's very difficult to find. Maybe one Joe Hawkins angle. Was oh, for like, about twenty five oh. minutes, it was like. Wales just weren't there. Well, we did really well to to build a bit of momentum, go through a couple of phases, and set up a beautiful James Low Dry. Like we, we... <laughs> <laughs> it had to be of James Low as well. I was going to say, of all the people to score <laughs> the fucking dry, he was sort of he was tying his ear up again as he went over the line. I think he was such an easy. The thing is, if you're him. gonna let James Low run the length of the pitch and no one's going to catch him. That's a fucking capital offence. Like, where was Josh Adams? I like, just catch him. It's not that difficult. That, my friend, is turmoil. No. <laughs> okay, yeah, do you know what? I agree. Um, was Josh not a gender reveal party? Was that not what he was? <laughs> That's what Josh Adams was. <laughs> I think that Wales are going to be fine. Like, I just really find it difficult to buy into this whole... Um, like from 30 to sort of 70 minutes of that game, Wales were grand. Like Ireland were Ireland didn't score anything, and Wales Wales didn't score really score anything either. But like Wales <laughs> at least looked more that likely is not to grand. score something. That is no, not the they, I mean they were doing their best. There was momentum, <laughs> you know, there was actually like they were trying to turn it back and then you know, a misplaced pass to either James Ryan line out still there, and then suddenly Ireland's Death Star is fully operational again. Yeah, I think it was neither as bad for Wales or as good for Ireland as a lot of people are going to make out that it was. I'm still entirely unconvinced by Ireland. I, I think at, at most that's an uninspiring start to the tournament for Ireland. I, I, I yeah, 
I, I think for Wales, it, it was dreadful. Like, even Falatau had a bad game. That's how bad we were. Like, the man who never has a bad game, he did. Oh, I've just thought who my wanker is. That's fine. You keep going talking about Wales, though. <laughs> I've just got this idea in my head now that on the final day, we play France in France. And, you know, being them, there's a good chance that they could be on for a Grand Slam. And so France beat Wales. They lift a the trophy. Confetti falls from the top of the stadium. And Josh Adams goes, oh, it's a boy. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Although, um, I mean, <laughs> gender reveal parties are great because he managed to unite sort of old rugby and new rugby because everyone hates some different reasons, but... <laughs> <laughs> um, but but genuinely though, because like Ireland, yeah, Ireland won this game, but it took them what seventy three minutes or something to get a bonus point against a, a dread like a Wales. Wales surprised me with how bad they were. I didn't think that no, no, genuinely though, because I didn't think that Warren Gatlin coming in was gonna fix the last three years entirely. Right? I'm not like I'm not stupid. No one thought that it was going to just automatically all be fine. But no, I think by, you, I think you misunderstand. Some people did think that. Well, yeah, morons <laughs> thought that. But by the end of last year, it looked like they didn't want to be there. And like, look, you don't, you can't blame them. But like, for most of last year, they looked like they didn't want to be there. And I at least thought that on Saturday that would that wouldn't be there. There would be like they would come fighting and they would come ready to sort of give as much as they could. And and Ireland are a fundamentally better team than Wales at the moment. Like that's kind of just a fact it's, there's no real getting around that but I at least thought that Wales would would be ready to sort of stick it into them and I and they weren't they didn't they didn't look like they were sort of turned on for the first day of the day and that's what surprised me more than more than them sort of playing poorly um I mean it's a lot surprised of Alan so much just nearly killed him <laughs> <laughs> I just I was surprised by Wales um, as much as I was un- uninspired and unconvinced by Ireland, I'll say. I, I I think genuinely believe that was that first half especially was one of the worst Wales performances I've seen. But does in- that not surprise you though? Um, because it surprised me. That's no. that's what I mean. It's not. I I didn't think that. I don't know what I expected, but it wasn't what I saw. I think as well, but the language that Gatlin's come in with isn't the language that we had from Gatlin for the whole of his Wales reign. And I mean that not just when things were going well and he was throwing great. Like when he took over, Wales was shit then too. Like we'd had a few years under Gareth Jenkins and we were awful. We lost to Fiji in a World Cup and crashed out in the pool stages, which, hey, we all have a bit of history repeating of this year. <laughs> World Cup in France, anyone. Um, but he came in and was kind of bullish and confident in the way that he spoke. And I don't know whether this is time at the Chiefs where like this is the first time he's really failed anywhere he's gone. Like He wasn't great at the Chiefs. Maybe, not, mm. maybe failed is harsh, but he certainly didn't succeed at the Chiefs. And I don't know, he's sort of come in and, and doesn't seem to have that edge on, on almost anything. And maybe it's because he's got to deal with all this shit that's going on off the field as well. But I also think like this issue wasn't just a Pivac's Wales issue, like some people are making out. And I've been saying that since when Pivac took over. And I'll say as he left, like I'm not saying he was the guy to carry on because he, he clearly wasn't going to turn that around. 
but this is such a big fucking issue <laughs> that no, I'm not surprised at all. Go on, Alan. Sorry. No, I was just going to say, did Catelyn not fail in charge of Ireland? Was Catelyn in charge of Ireland? <laughs> yeah. Um, Eddie O'Sullivan will tell you that he did massively. <laughs> Eddie O'Sullivan's really got a leg to stand on talking about failed Ireland coaches. It's something that he knows very well. That's about like Matt Williams talking about failed Scotland coaches. <laughs> you know what? The worst thing that Scotland rugby have ever done, and I'm, do you know what? It's a bold claim, is letting Matt Williams fail so badly that he's ended up as a fucking Irish TV pundit. Because I sit through <laughs> Matt Williams on my TV Every single week. Well, my fear is how much you hate Irish pundits, and then the BBC have got Tommy Bow. So we've lucked out somehow. We picked an Irish pundit, and it's Tommy Ten Siblings Bow. And I am absolutely <laughs> delighted. And who do we get? Fucking Matt Williams and Jamie Heaslip. <laughs> well, he's got time. He's not recording a podcast, is he? He's got time <laughs> to do these things. Find a fresh take on a fall getaway to Wilmington, North Carolina and beaches. Enjoy hiking trails in a state park, fresh seafood with a sight of live music and fall festivals galore. Then live it up along the Riverwalk in Wilmington's historic downtown. With three island beaches, Carolina, Curie and Wrightsville and a vibrant downtown, you get the best of the Carolina coast all in one place. Plan your fall getaway at WilmingtonandBeachesVacation.com. Yeah, like, I, I don't think that there's not... Ireland showed nothing in this game that made me feel any sort of more confident in them than I did last week or the week before. Like, it's there was nothing... They didn't blow Wales away. And with the performance that Wales were putting on, Ireland could have and arguably should have been, you know, 40, 45 points up by half time, And they weren't. They coasted for a huge chunk of the middle of that game. And I think that they coasted too hard because when Wales came out at the start of the second half and scored that try, it felt like the tide had was turning or had turned. And if Wales had had better execution mm-hmm. and been be- like, and if you think about had they not thrown the intercept pass to James Lowe and had Dan Bigger not criminally somehow not scored from about three millimeters away from the try line, that's a much closer game. And that's what I that's what I mean when I say I don't think it was as bad for Wales. I think that the scoreline sort of simultaneously flatters Ireland and doesn't flatter Wales in the same way. I think it was probably on balance a closer game. Um, and I just don't think that Ireland are playing very well, to be honest. I really don't. I think they were so dominant in that first half that you're right in as much as they took their foot off the pedal. And maybe they should have put the foot in the throat, but they, they just sort of, they did ease off a little bit. And I think had Wales scored a try, realistically, Ireland would have come out and scored a few more because it would have been the wake-up call. They, they looked so much better than us. I, I think, think the problem is they, you can see, like that's that's sort of the point a lot of people have made. is like, looks like Ireland won this game in second gear. I think I'm starting to wonder if Ireland are actually just not able to move up through the gears because they didn't do it on Saturday. They didn't do it in the autumn. They stuttered through all of those games. And so it's we're sort of going back to the third test against New Zealand as the last time that Ireland really ticked. And in rugby terms, that's that's a long time ago now. So it's like I just 
I just have my doubts about them. That's all. And it, it's, I don't feel any better after that game about their chances of winning anything this year. It sounds like you're as traumatised by the Irish in World Cups as we are by playing the Welsh in Cardiff, Patricia. <laughs> I just think that we could be looking at a situation where, you know, France and Scotland are the only Six Nations teams to get out of their pools in the World Cup. <laughs> oh, that, 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 that would be lovely, but I don't think we live in that world. I would love to live there. <laughs> I mean, at least there's no hurricanes in France, so there's one thing for Scotland. I think um, Hugo Keenan... Uh, Wales Wales were also kind of hamstrung by Hugo Keenan having the best game that he had in, like, three years because he was exceptional. He was superb. Um, but other than that, you know, Andrew Porter still can't scrummage. Even even Wales were, were able to show that. Even when the, the fucking Cardiff Blues props came on, they were able to show that Andrew Porter can't scrummage. He's equally bad on both sides of the scrum, though, isn't he? That's that's his USP. He's a, he's it's consistent, he's a freakishly good athlete. Like he's an exceptional rugby player, but a genuinely terrible prop. Like everything else that he does, <laughs> he is outstanding. And then he gets into a scrum, and it's like, why are you standing at that angle? It's not your job to stand that. Why are you standing perpendicular to the rest of the scrum? Um, the thing that always surprises me as well is um, every time I see Finley Beelham, I always forget how shit his hair is. I, that, that hair should not be acceptable on anyone playing for Ireland, for a start. Well, Ireland have had to bring new props into the squad because a lot of players are injured. And um, there's also apparently a chance that Johnny Sexton might be unavailable for this game. Who would have thought that Johnny Sexton would get an injury that might see him... Out of the out of the rest of the Six Nations, who had um fifty five minutes into the first game, as for how long in the how long Johnny Sexton would last sweepstakes, but Michael Milne is the loose head prop who's been brought into the squad now. Do you know who Michael Milne is? I I, I was waiting. I was going to say to you like, I know that when any Irish player that comes up, you generally go, hey, so this guy, so if you're asking me, who Michael Milne is. <laughs> But do you know what? I bet he's going to be fantastic. I bet he no. plays for Leicester fifth, Leinster fifths, he and does. he is absolutely incredible. He's amazing. He's played about eighty-two seconds for Leinster. The problem I have with it is he was wasn't on that emerging Ireland bullshit tour that they did there before Christmas, and the whole point of that was that if an injury happens, these are the guys that we plug in next. So if selection isn't on merit from you know, the the previous tours, the Emerging Ireland Tour, playing well for your province because Michael Milne is doing neither of those things. If it's not on previously established class, like say Connor Murray or someone who had who I also thought had a great game, but has been in poor form and sort of is getting into squads on his previous class, then is selection based on which team you play for? Because I think personally that that's bullshit. And if they needed a loose head prop and they're supposed to bring the guy who's playing well for his club and who played well and impressed on the emerging Ireland bullshit tour that they made up. Why is Josh Witcherly not the guy that they called up to the Ireland squad? Because he's the guy doing those things, not Michael Milne. Who the fuck is Michael Milne? Uh, so you, you lost me at that uh, 82 second appearance for a prop because I thought you were talking about Lee Jarvis. So, uh, <laughs> so I... <laughs> But other than that, like Ireland were fine. Um, 
Ireland were fine. That's it. Like it, they're uninspiring. They're really. It's. I find it difficult. But you find that uninspiring teams are often successful at major international tournaments. Yeah, but why can't France are both? France are fun and good. Well, yeah, but but not when then it then comes to major games at the World Cup. Like we forget that France. All right, they they won the Six Nations last year, but they've won Six Nations before and then gone on to be absolutely shit for no apparent reason in big games. We've seen them rip the All Blacks to bits and then turn up the next week and go and be France. Like, there was times on Sunday, and he can blame the ref, but it looked like Sean Edwards was going to explode. Like, he was just getting more and more Wigan as the game went on just by looking at him. If Ireland win the World Cup, I'll come back and say, I don't care that they played really boring rugby with a lot of Leinster players. Patricia, baby steps. Try and win one knockout (laughs) game first and then move forward, all right? (laughs) I just think that it's everything that Ireland... Ireland are escaping with their wins, is what I think. And eventually you're just not going to escape anymore. I, I don't think we're going to have a, a, a 34.10 escape. I think yeah, that's but how, pretty... how fucking bad Wales were, though. Oh, yeah, we were totally shit. But also, <laughs> I mean, but right, let's look back two years ago. Wales were completely shit then as well, and they won a, they won a tournament. Like, we've always been shit, but we were still beating Ireland. So I think it speaks volumes that, we we didn't even get close to it. Never at any point did it feel right. I think oh I tell her like there may have been that one moment where we had just scored the try, the penalty came for David, which was won by Bigger, by the way. It was never a penalty. We see those incidents no. happen a million times. Right. And Wales kicked to the corner and you go, shit. If they score you, we can believe. And we fucked it. And that was the only point that we thought, right, actually, maybe we're in with the show because Ireland were dominant. They were absolutely the worst dominant. thing. The worst thing Ireland did in that game was launch James Ryan up in the air to steal that line out. Because I swear to God, if anyone from Munster Rugby was watching that, that's not how you treat second rows. Don't even fucking think about it. <laughs> My first thought was they're going to try that with RG Simon, and we're going to be right back where we fucking started. <laughs> that's why Leinster doesn't have barbecues anymore. Um... <laughs> you can't have a barbecue in South Dublin. The county council won't let you. <laughs> Look, we're getting into council politics on this podcast now as well. We've gone completely rogue. Um, is there anything else we want to talk about from Wales Island? Because I'm more than happy to move on. No, I don't care about Ireland. I care about the six nations. I like rugby. I don't like Ireland. <laughs> you don't care about Ireland. You care about Italy. Yeah. <laughs> um. So we will take a short look at next weekend's games. But before we do that, we've got Alan on for a really special reason because Alan's not just a great uh, podcast guest to have on. You're promoting a campaign uh, for this Saturday for the Scotland Wales game at Murrayfield. So I'll hand over to you because you'll do more justice than I ever could. So Siobhan Cartigan, Scotland women's number eight, died um, in 2021. Um her family are convinced that head injuries that she got on and brain and traumatic brain injuries that she got on Scotland duty and training played a part. Um, she had terribly suffering. She was suffering terribly from anxiety um, and sort of spells of dizziness. 
And um, yeah, they feel that that played a part in her death. The SRU have been very defensive and very corporate in their response. And they've been very keen to avoid finger pointing to the point where they, they don't want to have an inquiry because they want to protect our people and things. And it just feels like anything, any sort of significant adverse event, and it's difficult to think of one, an, an event that's more adverse than this one. I think any significant adverse event should have an inquiry, which is a search for the truth. People have talked about it being in court, but that's often just a battle as to who's got the best lawyers. So what we've done with the knowledge and support of Siobhan's family is started a campaign to stand up in the eighth minute of Home Internationals and clap. Um, and I'm here because um, any I'd really like any Wales fans coming to Murrayfield. And we know there's always a legion of Wales fans coming up to the game. Murrayfield's in great voice. It'd be great if you would stand up with us and clap in the eighth minute. Yeah, it was something that um, over the autumn games got louder and more noticeable. I felt watching at home as as the games went on week by week, it felt like more people um, sort of saw what was happening and went to sort of find out why and, and joined in. Then the following week, it's been picked up on, on commentary once or twice. And it's a t- like a small thing that is starting to become almost it's it, unignorable for the SRU that this something like this has gained as much traction as it has. Um, it makes their silence louder and louder every time. And I think it's 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 been really wonderful to see it grow as it has. And like you say, I hope that it continues to do so throughout this tournament. Yeah, and having home and away fans standing up is a great way for that to happen. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there's... The family feel, I think, with some justification that it would have been a very different response had it, had they been looking for help uh, for a, a Scottish men's international rather than a women's international. And I think that's at the heart of a lot of the stuff that's been happening in Wales and and throughout rugby. Uh, Wales are just, I think, the Welsh Rugby Union are the ones that are in the firing line at the moment. But I feel that attitudes in rugby towards women aren't as great as we hope they are. Um, yeah. and I think I think that's come out. There's been a lot of stuff in Scotland as well about Liverton Rugby Club and things like that. So I, I think just standing up and just using the, the internationals as a, a bid to honour Siobhan and also to kind of just a, a, a gentle plight pressure on the, um, on, on the SRU. That's the, that's the plan. Yeah, and if you're listening to this podcast, I mean, chances are the majority of our audience is in Wales and you'll know what we're about and the kind of attitudes that we put forward. So they should be exactly the kind of person backing this kind of campaign. The campaign's been absolutely superb and yes. it's definitely something we'll back on. But, you know, but it's so great to see you guys doing it honestly like heroes that uh, shine a light where it needs to be shone. And they like say in such a simple and effective way, it's, it's it's brilliant and this is what what rugby should be about this is what rugby fans especially should be about and you know anyone who's been around the game long enough knows how it works and Wales Scotland is 
typically one of those games as well, that sort of friendly rivalry that goes there. I couldn't think of a more fitting way to, to honour that and to honour Siobhan and, and really show sort of a unison between everyone. It's brilliant. So, yeah, we back the campaign fully. And like I said, that's why we wanted to, to give you the voice to come on here and say, and hopefully if it gets a few more people on the website to, to stand up or to, to have a little Google and find out exactly what this is all about, then it's brilliant. I'm, you're doing a superb job, Alan. Keep it going. Thank you. And thanks for letting me speak about it. I, I, just to be able to give you that opportunity to come on is it, enough for me. As much uh, as I agree with everything you just said, I don't like the fact that most of our listeners are in Wales. <laughs> Look, At least one's in Scotland. <laughs> I feel uh, like we're going to have to redress that balance. I think that that's just Johnny listening for when we pick on him every week. <laughs> With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Um, we will move on then to a quick preview of um, this week's games. We won't delve into them too far, but we'll get some predictions um, before we go. So I'll go, I think I'm going in order. I could be wrong, but Ireland, France up first. What are we looking forward to? And who do we think so? Are you pulling our faces in North Ireland, France? Is it Wales, Scotland face? Oh, I have no idea. I just oh, the, the I just think that face at me then was like you're a fucking idiot. But I mean, you. Well, I just think that the fact that Ireland are playing France and like there's nothing to talk about. France are going to win this game extremely comfortably. Like there's there's no there's not a bone in my body that thinks that Ireland can beat France. Ireland have nothing they do that's better than France right now. Um, and if they win, it's because some sort of supernatural event has happened. Alan? I would have said the same as you, Patricia, until Sunday. Um, so I think there's a part of me thinking that actually Ireland might do it. Ireland are at home. so And I think they'll probably get themselves going for the France game in a way they couldn't for the Italy game. Uh, or the way they didn't exactly for the Wales game, sorry, when things got too easy, got a bit too easy after how they ran the the tries and sort of early on. So I think that I think Ireland might do it. Counterpoint: There's a high chance that Ross Byrne is going to start this game. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm sorry, France. Sorry, <laughs> uh, Patricia. As well, you know, I also do a, a horror podcast, so dial in the supernatural. Because I'm Every fucking Ryan. week you rub the horror podcast in my face. I just want to guess, <laughs> Well, that's your punishment for bringing up Italy and Georgia every week. Um, <laughs> but but Supernatural, I'm I'm going for Ireland. I think they're going to do it. I, I, I've got a feeling I, I think they will kick on. But despite the fact they haven't tried any other 10s for the past 52 years, I think that they, they're going to do it. Um, I'd love to see them commit to starting Craig Casey, which is something that's never going to happen. But um, they, he is the sort of the most like for like to Gibson Park. And as much as that's gross, because he's a better player than Gibson Park. But 
um, in terms of the Ireland system, he fits that um, closest to the way Gibson Park does. But Conor Murray did play very well on on Saturday. I was surprised that Conor Murray pulled out that performance, to be honest. I wasn't sure that, as someone who's never sort of been as anti-Conor Murray as the masses seem to have gone, I wasn't sure that he still had that kind of performance in him. So it was lovely to see that. I just think that Ireland are too held together with with string and tape and hope. And I just don't think that France, I don't think that there's anything there for France to fear, except maybe Dan Sheen, because he's a fucking freak of nature. But other than that, like I just think that France will take them apart, to be honest. I really don't see any any world in which Ireland do anything in this game. Well, look, they better pick Craig Casey because I'm not rewriting Carly Rae Jepsen songs for nothing. <laughs> <laughs> if Amy Hugh Jones doesn't start this weekend, that's it, I'm done. Um, <laughs> Scotland-Wales, then. Go on, Alan. Start us off. Jones! I think the Scotland side's a better side than this Welsh side. Yeah. But we have all been hurt by Wales before. And in fact, on Saturday, I started to feel optimistic about the England game and then got PTSD from the how I felt, because I felt like that before Cardiff in 2018. And I had this sort of cycling hope and despair all day that was really the Scottish fan experience in microcosm. <laughs> and I just... So we should we should beat Wales. You know, we should be, we should be feeling that we should beat this Welsh side. Um, even though they weren't as bad as they seemed against Ireland and we weren't as good as the result made us look against England, I think Scotland can play better than they did. And there's a maturity and mentality to the team that's better. And there was lots of, we've got next week against Wales, rather than, oh my goodness, we beat England um, after the match. So all of this points to better, but I've been hurt by Wales before. All this rugby trauma from you two, I feel like I'm rehoming a, ne- a dog from a... <laughs> It's been neglected. <laughs> so it was so it was the 27th of May 2017. And <laughs> <laughs> um I agree. I think that Scotland are better than Wales. I think I also think that we've had a sort of a thing with rugby recently over the last sort of I mean beyond that, but like especially over the last maybe five years where it's been like almost a given that Scotland will beat England in the same breath it's almost been a given that Wales will beat Scotland it just seems to happen regardless of anything else um I think that I think that Scotland will do it like I don't like I see no reason why they won't other than they don't beat Wales but like just beat them it's not you know there's not there's nothing it's not legally an issue that you can't beat them like just do it like I don't know I think that I think that this is the one this is the time for them to break the hoodoo you know they beat they just beat England they did it without needing Finn Russell all they need to do is pick Ben Healy and they'll be sorted <laughs> that's what you're saying is now the the secret to Scottish success look Scotland do now beat England and I'm gonna say I'm gonna be bold and say that's because in Scotland I know a better team than England. And I'm going to say Scotland are going to beat Wales because Scotland are a much better team than Wales. And we fluked some some wins along the way and I still can't quite work out how. But this feels like the Scotland team's come together now to win games that they should win. Mm. And I think that that's exactly Yeah, I think a huge thing for Scotland has to be 
beating England is not our summit. Like beating England is not the the win. Like they won a game. They didn't win a tournament. And in the past, I think they might have been a bit guilty of their entire tournament being the England game and the Calcutta Cup being essentially the only thing that they feel like they're playing for. And I think that they are good enough now to not do that. They have the Calcutta Cup. I think it benefits them being the first game. It's out of the way. They're now in a tournament where they've put themselves in a position where they have a good chance to win it. And I think that they can increase that chance further. I think that they can and should be winning this game. I'm with Johnny McGinty. I think Scotland will do the triple crown and then find a way to fuck it against Wales on the final in the final against Italy in the final day of the championship. That'll be that'll be win the triple crown and still lose it by a loss to Italy. Look, you lost me a time with Johnny McGinty. Um, <laughs> and is anyone feeling bold enough? England, Italy. Oh, I'd love to. You came up with a mad prediction last week that you thought Wales were going to beat Ireland. I don't think that was that mad. Um, Hindsight suggests otherwise. But I'd oh, I'd love to. Um, England have been the sort of monkey on Italy's backs for you know the twenty three years that we've had the Six Nations now, and it hasn't. You say that you know Scotland are a much better team than Wales and should beat them. It almost doesn't matter how well or poorly England are playing. They just come out and clobber Italy. Like that's how it has happened. Um, and I think that Italy have always acquitted themselves poorly against England. I'd love to see them not do that this time. Um and give them a game. You know, we've had sort of 35 minute games where Italy have really brought it to England and James Hassel has fundamentally misunderstood what rooks are you know like we've <laughs> had these kinds of games I'd like to see that that go further but ultimately as as much of a dreamer as I am I don't think that Italy are going to go to Twickenham and win unfortunately to be fair to James Haskell rooks were just things he had spent the last 10 years leaning on so I think <laughs> once you try and drill down to this, what are um, posts if not things to run into? <laughs> well, if they're not to run into, why are they padded, Patricia? Come on, let's think about this. That video lives rent for you in my head. It's I, I love it so much. Um, yeah, it's. I mean, I just imagine him like thinking he's in a soft play and just loving <laughs> it, living his best life. Um, but yeah, you're right, and like. They've they've struggled to beat not even just beat England, but generally beat like an England second string, even when England's yeah. first string haven't been performing that well. I think similarly to last week, this has to be a game for Italy where they're not losing by, you know, 30 plus points. They're not losing by even 20 plus points. Like they, it needs to be a tighter game than what we have seen from England Italy games in the past. And I think Italy are more than capable of doing that. I just unfortunately don't think that we're going to see a, an incredible Italy win in Twickenham. But I will absolutely adore to be proved wrong. All I want is to be proved wrong. Same. Yeah. Uh, Alan, your prediction? I, I'm with Patricia, I'm afraid. I think England, mentality-wise, are your classic flat-track flat bullies and tend to run up a high score against teams like Italy. Um, Love to be proven wrong. Would love to eat humble pie, but my fantasy team will have 
a lot of English players. And we'll have Owen Farrell as the kicker because I think that's what's going to happen. You know, the only thing that I don't, the only reason I can think of that I don't want Italy to do is because I don't want Steve Borswick to be the first person, especially Steve Borswick with Kevin Simpson to be the first person to lose to Italy for England. Like if it had been Eddie, it would have been perfect. But now I feel oh. a bit like, oh, I don't want like two games in. But yeah, I'm going for England as well. I can't see anybody. It's not going to be. It was a brilliant performance from Italy. We may see a slight hangover as well, I think, is a trouble. Because... Are we all... um? Have we all said the same teams across the board for the three games? No. Nope. Oh, no, you think Ireland are going to win? I think Ireland are going to beat France. Oh, it means I'll be winning the prediction game next week, so? Well. <laughs> you Did you not hear when I spoke about Michael Milne? <laughs> yeah, we're just used to people. Yeah, Mickey Milne. You know Mickey Milne. Just used to be coming off the Leicester conveyor belt and just sort of performing at a top level. You know he's going to be fantastic, right? You know that this is what... I get to watch Ireland from the outside looking in, so I don't have all the negative, this is going to go wrong for us thoughts. Well, I do, but for Wales. <laughs> so it's going to work. It's going to work. Um, Either that, or he's going to turn up and be like, Dylan Lewis with like a ginger wig on. Um, <laughs> so we'll finish with our winners and wankers. And obviously being the utmost professional podcasters that we are now, Patricia, we've planned these well in advance and had them written down sort of by Sunday night, Monday morning at work. The problem is, is I'm not capable of like internal monologuing. So I interrupted you when you were in the middle of talking to say that I had just thought of who my wanker was to write it down. <laughs> so like, we can't even, we can't even pretend. That's the problem. I, this is, this is my biggest problem is that I can't fake professionalism, which is why also <laughs> you can know that hardly any of what I say is written down. Because I would sound so wooden <laughs> if I tried to read out notes. My notes are pathetic. The only things I've read out is the Steve Borthwick quote and the Peter Jackson quote. And then nothing else. Um, so we'll do our wankers first, as we now do. So go on, Patricia, kick us off with a wanker. Um, mine is Liam Williams. And I could literally just full stop end it there. You know, there there isn't really any need for a... Um, an explanation but there was a point in the first half where he stole Tyke Burns scrum cap and that's theft first of all because that's his property <laughs> give it back um but Tyke Burn came out for the second half of the game and he was like raw dogging rugby like it was so weird watching him play without the hat and they took him off after like 53 minutes and I genuinely think that was why because I think that it was just dangerous for him to play you know neck up naked like it was horrible and Liam Williams, give his fucking hat back. That's not yours. Wayne Pivak told him to exact some sort of scarlet vendetta and take the fucking hat back from him. And I'm I'm not not happy with it at all. Give it back. That's not yours. You, he should have you, you come don't get to wear the blue hat. He should have come out in the second half with the little helmet that he would have worn when he was delivering pizzas. That would have been perfect. A little super <laughs> helmet. With Apache pizza written. See, the problem the is the uh, the Apache pizza helmets have little headdresses on them. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so you couldn't wear Make them more streamlined. They'd be in big trouble wearing that. But I just didn't I didn't enjoy having to see Tyke Byrne play um semi-nude. And nice. I didn't enjoy that Liam Williams uh took 
you know, stole from his former teammate. I really thought it was it was ugly stuff and it's just not the kind of thing you want to see from rugby. Well, we know that that's where his power lies. That's that's why he's taking it. I was going to say... That's like why Sam- he was substituted. I was going to say like Samson, but it'll kick all the Welsh fans off in the discussion about Delilah again. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, like Samson Lee, scared of no fucking. <laughs> Samson Lee with a tiny face. Um... This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Alan, I know we forgot to ask you, but you want to watch it this week? <laughs> um, I think Andrew Porter for making me feel sorry for it. Was it Liam Williams he slid in on in the line? Scored a, who's you know giving away a penalty from the yeah. restart, and just I'd, I'd hate to see folks slide in after you know after a try's been scored. But my memory th- thinks it was Liam Williams. If I felt if it means I'm feeling sorry for Liam Williams, then then Andrew <laughs> Porter's definitely a wanker. It, it definitely was Liam Williams because he scored the only try that we could fucking manage. Um, yes, fair point. Well. You kind of get a feeling maybe it's because Gareth Davis was like, Gareth Davis seemed to do that every week at one point. <laughs> he just drop his knees on someone who was off the line. So maybe he was like, oh, former Scarlet's player, he'll do. There was one time Munster were playing the Scarlet and Pedro Mane got, did he get red carded for it because it was his second yellow? Do you remember that game where, yes. where Pedro Mane got two yellow cards, right? Well, he just one dived them... on someone's face with his shoulder. Yeah, but two Scarlet's <laughs> players went in on him at the same time and no one fucking looked at them. They just looked at Peter Romani and he got he got a red card for it. Because this seems look, don't don't be trying to defend Peter Romani. This is the this is the typical Irish way. You know that I am legally obliged to do that. He will he will hurt my family. <laughs> <laughs> just this for calling a caterpillar. That's what I say. I was um, in college one day. I was at sorry. I was at university one day and I was. I very rarely had the car and I, I drove in with one of my housemates and. We UL is like famed for just having t- a terrible parking situation. Like you cannot find a parking space on this campus for love nor money. And we were kind of late. We had all the free car parks were full. So we were like, oh, for fuck's sake, we're gonna have to pay for parking and everything. We're already paying, you know, 12 grand a year to be here. And now we're gonna have to pay for fucking parking. So we went to the paid car park. There was one space left. And you know, when you're going to drive into a parking space and there's another car sort of eyeing up the same space. We were in that sort of car standoff with another car for the space. We got it, reversed into the space, got out and went to go to our lecture and the other car drove off in disgust and Peter Romani was driving the other car and the absolute shame that overcame my entire being. I was like, I've made Peter Romani late to training because I wanted to go to some (laughs) fucking, you know, law of whatever I was doing, lecture. And I just thought, dear God, the next time I went to Thorn Park after that, I just was like, please don't let him. I feel like he had like scanned my face and kept it in his his revenge memory for forever. I got vision of him sort of with like the Terminator scanning. Yeah. I can only assume he attempted to approach that space from the side as well. <laughs> uh my one guess for this week, let's face it, is Wales. Um the 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 biggest way it was it absolutely dreadful before. It's genuinely it's the worst I felt watching a Wales game since we played England in the World Cup warm up in two thousand and seven. 
Uh, it, it was dreadful. You uh, do remember and, when Wales lost to Georgia in their last game? But it's kind of got that element of fun, isn't it? It's kind <laughs> of as bad as it is. It's kind like I quite like Lennox Lewis when he was a boxer because he seemed all right. But when he got knocked out by Rachman, that was really funny because <laughs> like no one even knew who that guy was, and like. Lennox Lewis is in Ocean's Eleven. Like, so, like it was really <laughs> funny. Um, and then commentators just seemingly shocked that Italy were competitive, like they haven't watched rugby in the past like three years because Italy've kind of been on that upward trajectory for a while. I know they only beat Wayne Pivax Wales. They beat Australia, beat Australia like a month in the ago. autumn. Yeah. yeah. Like, can can are we like why are we shocked? I know this it is just a very shows French a really team. It shows a really pathetic misunderstanding of rugby to be like, oh my God, where has this come from? Italy have been doing this for years. Yeah. The results just haven't reflected the performances until now. Correct. Um, and then to finish on our positive note, let's have our winners for this week. Go on, Patricia, kick us off. Well, I mean, rugby was the winner, really, wasn't it? Like, they, there's, there's sort of, you know... We're in the first weekend of the Six Nations. We had two really great games and also Ireland played. Um, <laughs> it was a really, really great weekend. I think um, Danilo Fischetti, for me, is just... He's one of those players I'm just like, I just want to watch you play all the time every week. Uh, he's my favourite prop, for sure. Um, oh, Reese Henry is heartbroken Listen to this. Reese, she did not mean that. That is. He's my favourite Six Nations prop. Okay. Wow, that's like a double kick in. Like, oh, you but would be my, my favourite if you were good enough to get called into the Wales team. It's not my fucking fault that Warren Gatlin won't pick him, is it? So what you're saying is Reese's fault? I'm going to see Reese Henry next week. I'm super excited. <laughs> um, And obviously Ange Caputo, but like Danilo Fischetti. Everyone, everyone talks about Ange Caputo all the time, but no one gives Danilo Fischetti the sort of props for being as good as he is because he plays in the front row. Um. We've lost Alan, Alan couldn't deal with the with the front row. <laughs> he couldn't deal with the prop Lander. talk. That was it. He was done. He, he was but, appalled um, at your treatment of Reese Henry. I feel really bad. I didn't mean it like that. <laughs> Look, Alan's turned off in disgust. He's left. If Reese Henry's listening, he, he's he's picking a radio station now. He's unsubscribing. This is. I'm this gonna. Is... I'm gonna apologise to him face to face next week when I go I see Monster Henry. play the Ospreys no Reese Henry when I go to see um, when I go to see Monster play the Ospreys but for me well, rugby feels, was the winner I don't want to bring up horror again but this feels like a horror film because Alan's now not in his chair sorry I took the, my, something that happened to the Zoom and I took the opportunity to pee because I've, I've never <laughs> seen two meters since I've been sitting here so it it felt like a horror film because like it went off. I've watched Host, and then it came back on, and it was just an empty chair just slowly swiveling. <laughs> Host Host is a good film, but Host it's no one friended. It's no one friended. Oh, right. We're gonna go down a rabbit hole again. It's no unfriended the dark web, which uh, is better. Leave it out. Right, uh, Alan, your winners for this week. Uh, I'm just going to have to be boringly predictable and say Doohan, just, or, or those of us that got to watch Doohan, because much as I thought the second try was better as it was a team try, just watching that first one and realising it was on was just was just brilliant. It, it was. Switching, switching the ball to your other hand 
in the middle of being tackled so that you can do a handoff at the same time is just absolute all-time goat stuff. Like, just give give him the Six Nations. Even if Scotland don't win it, give it to Doohan just for that. And then he transfers it back for no reason other than that it's closer <laughs> to the line. Like, he, he transfers it over, does that, and then transfers it back. And... Yeah, just showboating by that point. You know what it is? He's seen Finn juggling fire, and he's like, well, the best I can do is juggle one ball for now, and then we'll see where we go from there. Do you think that Finn has taught Ben Healy how to juggle fire? Oh, no, I think Ben Healy was so sensible he was stood on the side with a fire blanket. Just in case, <laughs> I think that was Ben Ely's role in that. I hope that Netflix cameras have just had a whole team just on the two of them because I still don't understand how they interact, what they talk about. It feels like two people who don't speak the same language and have zero things in common coming in to play the same position in the same team. So I want to see it all on Netflix. I think there's <laughs> a whole sitcom to be based around those two room sharing in France. I think if we just put them two in a room and they'd like, wait, everywhere you go, you have to be together and they just film it all as a real life sitcom. I'm, to me, I'm they're talking. like, they, they give me this, the energy of like what Schmidt and Nick from New Girl would be if it was real life because those two people are <laughs> fundamentally, the two circles on the Venn diagram are at opposite ends of the stratosphere. And I understand <laughs> that they are best friends and that they are, you know, soulmates, but... It, what they would be like if they were real people who lived in the real world that's Ben Healy and Finn Russell in my mind well we'll uh, we'll pitch Finn and Ben to to Netflix as soon as this is finished I'm worried yes, about please. you mentioning circles as well because you probably there were circles on your Instagram as well this week I'm worried you've been tapped up by Rugby Pass I'm Look, worried <laughs> my editorial independence is gonna is gonna remain as it was before World Rugby came in and bought me out <laughs> Uh, my winners for this week, uh, my my first obvious one is Alan and everyone behind this campaign because I think it's absolutely fantastic what you guys are doing. I think it, it's superb. And so you're, you're winners and you're heroes in my eyes. Um, and then also to be a bit sort of, I don't want this to sound like self-promotion because that's not why it's there. But Arlie Worthy, Alex Popham and Professor John Fairclough uh, for the episode that we put up last week on traumatic brain injuries which was a superb listener. I loved it. And it's such an important discussion sort of on the game at the moment. There's so many things going on when we talk about tackling, like we talk about players' injuries, and obviously it ties into your campaign as well, Alan. I, it was brilliant. And I don't often get to listen to the podcast because I can't listen to my own voice. So it's amazing. The one I got to listen to was that one because it is the one that was structured and important and incredible. So your winners are bothering up our podcast guest and our podcast. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, generally that I thought the three of them were superb, and I, I I loved listening, and so sort of at all because I I'll you know I've messaged them and said you know fantastic, but I think it deserves sort of public praise for just how much I enjoyed that. Um, and that's all that's left is to say our thank yous. So thank you as always, Patricia. Thank you. Uh, thank you for coming on, Alan. Thank you. Been a pleasure. And finally, thank you to you for listening and remember to always be more Duhan. Thanks so much. Bye now. You've been listening to Rock and Roll. If you've stuck with us this far, leave us a review. Follow us, not just you, but on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook and TikTok. And drop us a message. You're a pretty friendly bunch. It'll be great to hear from you no matter what you want to say. And we'll see you next time. Thanks very much for listening.
Social Podcast Network. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.